having influence is really, really powerful. Knowing how to persuade people to take the action that you want them to take, which can be used for good or evil. <laughs> but knowing how to create the actions that you want in people is, is an incredibly powerful skill. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Vision of success. Welcome to the Boss Babe Podcast, the place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. I'm Danielle Canty, co-founder and president of Boss Babe, and today I'm actually interviewing my colleague, Amy Sangster. Now, unlike me, I've always been a little bit shy on social media. She was kind of the complete opposite. She amassed over 100 million views on YouTube. She had a multi-million dollar online education company that served over 80,000 students all in her early 20s. So she knows everything there is to know about the creator economy and she is going to be sharing so much with you today. We also are going to be chatting about how she's the co-founder of Unemployed Media, which is a media company built to help entrepreneurs specifically share their message and reach a wider audience. She goes into details about the work she does with Mia Boss Babe, which is so fun. And we really break down and get vulnerable about our experiences on social media, what that's been like, the judgment, the heartache, all the things. So this is going to be a really good episode. And I'm going to be honest with you, you're probably going to grab a notepad and pen also because there are loads of hints and tips if you are looking to grow on social media. So uh, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. So, Amy Sangster, welcome to the Boss Babe Podcast. Thank you. Second time around. Yeah, second time. <laughs> it was like two years, three years ago, I think you first it was, came it's on. It's been a while, yeah. We were not working together. We were not working together. We'd only just met, yeah, I think, last time. we had. And we were talking about your early career. And I'm excited to be diving into all the things today because we have been working together for the last two years. And on that journey, I've learned a lot about you. You know a yes, lot about me. Know a lot about and <laughs> I know that we have a lot of similarities, but we also have a lot of differences. And one of the main differences for you and me is like, you were kind of like the person who was like the born social media person. <laughs> where I was like, please do not make me put my face on this thing. Um, so I want to start our conversations there and what that was really like, what, why you were attracted to social media from the get-go and what you liked about it and then yeah. how you how you grew. Yeah, I think I never really intended to become an influencer, so to speak, but I was just desperate for any way out of the norm. You know, I, I worked at a bank. I really didn't want to continue down that trajectory where I just felt like my days were being spent doing something unfulfilling. And so I was just looking for any way out of that. And I wasn't really attached to any way. I was just desperate for anything. So 
Throughout my travels, I touched on a lot of different things. I had an eBay business. I believe Natalie was the same. It might have been her first business as well, but started um, on eBay and then kind of transitioned into the trading world. And people saw the success that myself and my partner were having in the trading world, and we started to get these requests for education. And through a series of events, we kind of evolved into online education. And like I said, I never intended to become an influencer, but I realized if I wanted people to know that our educational product existed, I needed an audience. And it was kind of an unlikely turn of events where my partner at the time um, was big on YouTube. So he taught me the ropes of YouTube, taught me how to reverse engineer viral content, and through that, built a really big audience, over 100 million people on YouTube, that then we found was the perfect place to market our offer to. So it kind of came about through a random series of events, but I ended up with this title of influencer. And I love just the creative process. I love creating content and I love connecting with people. And I think that's a really interesting medium to be able to do it nowadays, just through utilizing social media. We have the opportunity to connect with anyone just by picking up our phones. And I think that's incredible. And it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And I'm just really excited about all of the good opportunities to come from it. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it in a very high level, uh, very high level way. Yeah. And what I hear is like many people, you had a pain and social media has been a way for you to get out of that. And I think that's what's so amazing about um, the creative economy and social media is that, you know, prior to this, um, starting a business had a really high bar barrier to entry. Um, you would cost a lot in marketing. There was no real forms of free marketing really out there. Yep. Um, and so you really had to invest heavily to do these things. And I do think it's been one of the most beautiful things for me to witness um, is that people really get to change their lives through social media. They 100%. really get to build a business through it. And it can be the gateway to so much opportunity. I mean, for me, it's gifted me the experience of moving from the UK and moving to Los Angeles and really changing my personal financial position as well. But for a lot of people, they have these pains like, yeah, do you know what? I don't well like I, I don't like where I'm at. And I'm scared. I'm yep. scared to go onto social media and show up. So how is like did that cross your mind? Because yeah, you got to a hundred million views. And I, I just want to understand the mindset for you at that point. Yeah. And I think it's something that no one's really prepared for. No one can prepare you for the amount of judgment that you get when you're in front of an audience that size. And one of my favorite sayings is you can be the juiciest peach in the world and there are still going to be people who just don't like peaches. Ooh, I like that. And I learned that very early on. And I think in a way I was beautifully naive um, because I was kind of thrust into it without really considering. I think the older you get, the more you stop to pause and you know you, you really think of like, oh, is this the right thing to do? But when you're young and you don't have any like bad experiences to kind of make you tread carefully, I just like went head on into it. And it was the best experience ever because... When you dive in the deep end, you have to learn to swim really, really quickly. And overnight, you know, videos blew up and I was on the homepage of AOL. And I definitely shed a lot of tears when I saw the messages coming in in the morning. I would say 50% people were inspired and uh, motivated by, you know, sharing our lives online and what we'd been able to achieve because we were sharing some pretty triggering content. You know, my, my first viral video was 22-year-old girl by his Lamborghini, which the title was engineered that way for a reason, and, and we kind of knew what we were going to get. Um, but obviously, I didn't realize how triggered people would get from just me purchasing a car and posting that video online. So I would say like 50% of it was really positive, and people were uh, motivated and inspired by what we'd achieved so young. And the other 50% of it was actually 
really challenging to deal with. People that just shared a lot of really, really hateful messages purely because of that video. So I think through that experience, my first reaction was, oh, I want to like prove these people wrong. Like I want to let them know it's okay and I'm a nice person. And like I had this um, kind of defensive mechanism built in, which I think most people do when they receive any kind of like hate or message online, they want to kind of rebut that and be like, no, but I'm a good person. I'm nice. Please don't hate me. And there's this freedom that comes with just accepting that it's okay for people not to like you. And it has nothing to do with you, but actually with them. And I think that's something that I learned probably about a year into it. It took me a little while. And just like anything, you have to warm up and you have to get practice. But after a while, I stopped responding to people. And I just let go of this responsibility that they had to like me. And I just let it all go. And it felt so freeing. And now, like having learned that so young, it's so natural for me to not worry about what people think, to show up and to post and to not worry about the handful of negative things that might come from it because that's going to happen always. No matter how positive your message is, no matter how amazing you are at creating content, someone's always going to have something to say about it. And generally, it's just a reflection of their own insecurities. You're just a mirror for them. Always a reflection of your of their own for sure. And yeah. I think, you know, it's really freeing actually when, I mean, I've just come back from the Hoffman process and they talk a lot about... Um, parental um, negative love patterns etc but one of the things that you really learn there is you aren't responsible for other people's mm -hmm. feelings and I think when you let go of that and assuming you're a good person yeah. like you know we're not talking <laughs> about like nasty people but you know at the end of the day posting a video online which was no hate crimes towards anyone else is just you purchasing a yeah. car and then witnessing that I do think there's a certain it's hard to do sometimes, but it's it's so empowering when you free yourself mm -hmm. from trying to please everyone. But also, I just want to take you back for a second because you said there, 50% positive and 50% negative. And I'm curious whether actually it was 50-50 or whether it was like 80% good and 20% bad. But sometimes the bad ones stay in our memory the most mm -hmm. and they seem to scream the loudest because yes. I feel like that sometimes, um, you know, I'm super lucky. I have... Um, never had a hundred million views, a much more audience, but I would say like, I would say 99.9% are really positive. And yeah. I think that's also the thing, like a lot of the time is there's so many amazing people that out there, but then sometimes the ones that go in, those yeah. trolls are a bit louder. A hundred percent. And I find that even if it weren't 50-50, it was, it was, it. A, it was a decent <laughs> amount of hate. I'll, I'll give you that. It was, a, it was a fair bit. Um, but I think that's all you focus on Yeah. anytime, whether it's in work and you're just focusing, if, if people are giving you feedback and you focus on the one person who has yeah. like a, a suggestion about your work, you focus on that versus all the praise you get. And it's just so natural for our minds to do that because we're just in a state of surviving. Like we just want to know that we're safe and loved always. And it's really, really not natural to put yourself out to an audience of that many people. I was watching uh, The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that? Uh, oh, yes. No, I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. It's saying out like our brains are not wired to do nope. these things. And the only way that we develop new skills or new talents is going through them. So that's why I say it's a blessing that I went through it. But you have to be able to break through that barrier. And I think it's true of anything. When you're starting anything new, you have to be able to break through not only your self-judgment, but the judgment of others and just keep going in spite of that. And it's something we talk about often uh, in influencer school, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is just putting yourself through that and going through it. The only way over is through. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Like they sound like nice buzzwords, but they're just really, really true. Like you have to just put yourself in that situation and not let the emotional response stop you from taking action, but work through it. Be like, okay, I understand this doesn't feel good right now, but it will if I just keep going because I'm going to learn to deal with it better. 
I think that's really true. And also I think as well, you know, a lot of people listening to this and we're really talking about this topic now about how social media has the benefit to change your life and how you can really leverage it to grow businesses and create financial freedom. And I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to achieve that, you have to look at social media as part of your job and as Mm -hmm. part of a skill set, which you are there to hone. And sometimes it might feel like, oh my goodness, like everyone else is looking at me and judging me and all of these things. But really like you're judging yourself and like letting go of that is really, really crucial to be able to grow up on social media. And I I might take myself back to um, 2018 when uh, Natalie and I first found a boss babe. And I was so terrified of putting my face on social media. Like, I am not joking. I remember my first Facebook Live. I was in and out before anyone could even come (laughs) online. And then also I remember... We have a society, like, you know, the society on membership for female entrepreneurs. It's one of our core products at the time. And I organized us to have this success kit all around um, showing up on social media for 30 days so that I would do it because I would never (laughs) put my face on social media because I was scared of judgment of others. But when I did the work and realized what I was actually worried about and scared of, and I think that's the first hurdle that a lot of people need to overcome is like, you have the choice to feel judged or not to feel judged because actually you think it's people judging you, but it's you judging yourself. And most people I know who aren't affected by negative comments are because the people that don't judge themselves on those negative comments. Uh Whereas sometimes, you know, when you get those, like you say, you just shared, someone giving you feedback on work, if it hits something that you are sensitive to, Mm -hmm. it hurts. But if it kind of hits something, you're like, that's a load of rubbish. Like, I'm not even going to believe that it's easier to repel. So I think it's like that whole, just knowing it, owning it, and just like you said, moving through it is really important. Yeah. I mean, the only way that we get better at anything is through practice. How can you expect for something to feel natural and comfortable if it's the first time you're doing it? Literally, whatever it is, it's just never going to happen. It's an unrealistic expectation. But people seem to have that expectation for social media of themselves or other people of them where the first post I do, it's going to go viral. Or the first time I show up, it's going to feel so great. No, the first 10 or 100 times, it's probably going to feel really weird and uncomfortable. But the more you do it, the better you get. You know, we recently, um, you had Maria Menounos in the society, one of the best interviewers in the world. And we were talking to her about the fact that, you know, this has only come through, what, 10, 20 years of practice. That's how she got there. But people only see the accolades. They only see the end product and they don't see all the times that she shared with us where she was nervous to do an interview or she didn't want to do it or she was so scared and she put so much time preparing and they just see the polished end result. And that's so true of social media too. You know, like everyone sees the end result. They don't see the hundred reels that you batched beforehand that completely Mm -hmm. sucked. And if you really uh, admire anyone, I encourage you to scroll back on their feed. Like go back to the very first post. Yeah. Please don't do it to me, (laughs) but do it to someone else. Yeah, not us. (laughs) But go and look at that and it'll make you feel a whole lot more confident. Yeah. Like it's actually really interesting starting on YouTube so young, you have this library of content. And not only is it interesting because you can see how you've grown from 10 years ago now, the whole world can see <laughs> how you've grown as well, but it helps you kind of just benchmark. And we were, you know, in the society recently and we we're looking at some of the first videos that you had made. Yeah. And even in three years, the difference was wild. And if you didn't give yourself permission to show up and maybe not feel so confident or maybe not be perfect in the beginning, 
that product wouldn't exist. All the women's uh, lives within it wouldn't have been changed because you never would have showed up. And same thing, if I never hit upload on that video, I mean, we served 80,000 students in that business. We made multiple millions of dollars. We helped many, many people quit their jobs. Never would have happened if the fear of judgment got in the way. And that would have been actually incredibly selfish of me um, to kind of keep that from happening because of an emotion that I may have felt that might have felt bad for a moment, you know? I think it's really important to maintain a beginner mindset. Like nowadays, I'm so lucky and fortunate and honored to be able to interview people at the top of their game. Mm -hmm. Maria Menounos being one, Jamie Kern-Lima, founder It Cosmetics, Tony Robbins we've had on the podcast, like crazy impressive people but every single one of them always brings me back to that that they were beginners too mm -hmm. like you hear the story of Jamie like writing her first business plan on her honeymoon yeah. no idea what she was going to go on and create and mm -hmm. I think like you know unfortunately sometimes we get lost in that we get in the cycles of comparison like oh my goodness I'm never going to have four million followers because I only have 400 now I'm never mm -hmm. going to be able to do that well you won't be able to do it if you don't start posting 100%. and just like you're saying those people who now have four million or whatever they had they started somewhere mm -hmm. and you've got to start somewhere and be okay with that and that beginner mindset I see is always present with the most successful people I know. They're not scared to go back to the yep. beginning. Um, and I think that actually is a, attributed to a lot of their success in many ways. Yeah, I think the, the most successful people that I've met are just masters of sitting in discomfort and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. And so much so that they actually seek it out. You know, they're, they're not comfortable not having discomfort. Like they actually seek out, whether it's ice baths or, uh, you know, silent retreats, they seek out these experiences so that they can get used to that feeling so that they can show up in whatever capacity they need to and be in discomfort in their daily jobs and succeed at them. Because our brains, again, they're not wired to do that. It's a practice and we have to teach them to be able to do that. So I think it's like, what can you do in your life to get your brain used to just being uncomfortable? Maybe for someone, it's not going to speak to, you know, a hundred million people all at once. Maybe it's just showing up and doing a live one day. Or maybe like an exercise that we help people do all the time is just open your laptop and sit and talk to your laptop camera about whatever it is, whatever you feel comfortable speaking about for 10 minutes a day. That probably will be pretty easy. Watching it back and listening to that internal chatter that comes up when you're watching it back, that's the really hard part you're going to hear all these things. And, you know, being, uh, being in the media business, I've watched myself speak so many times. And it's funny. I think like the first two to five years, you're like, oh God, that's what my hair looks like. That's what I sound like. That's, that's what I look like on camera. And then like years, like five to seven, you're, you kind of get comfortable with it. And then like the later stage, you're, you're just so used to it that you don't even think about your hair. And it becomes more about what you're saying and who you're connecting with and your message than you. But the only way over is through. And I think going back to that point, you have to really remember who you're doing it for and why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if you're doing it to serve your ego and you're not actually thinking about your audience, that fear will always get in the way. But if you have a strong why and you're trying to connect with an audience, you're trying to share a really important message, something that's close to your heart, something that can help people, whether it's through education or entertainment, something that you're passionate about, not just focusing on followers, you'll be able to push through because you have an external motivation. It's not just you needing those followers that's, uh, that's going to get you out of bed in the morning. It's the other people that need you to show up and share your message. I'm curious as to what your why was because I know that mine, the reason I started showing up on social media more was because I realized 
how much impact that was having in the society as a community. And when I was showing up and talking about my fears, they were starting to overcome theirs. And then it became like, oh, I have to do this because it's really helpful and so many people are getting benefits. So I'm curious as to when you went into that YouTube era initially, like what was the motivation then? I think I attribute a lot of the initial motivation, um, the introduction to my previous partner um, who got me into it. But the deeper why I became... I was desperate, like I said, for a way out of traditional nine to five work that was completely unfulfilling. And I found that way. And once I found it, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I wanted everyone to know that it was possible. And we had so much demand and people wanting to know, and we were teaching these people and it was having a difference in their life. And I was seeing their lives change too. And it was kind of a a flow on effect of confidence. The more we helped people, the more I wanted to share that message because the more impact I saw it was having and the more fulfilled I became. And yeah, I just wanted to continue to share that message. And I really don't want people to waste their lives doing things that they don't love. Like, I think the time that we have here on earth is so incredibly short. And I think that we're fed by traditional education, which has its place and it has all these amazing qualities to it, but it also has these limitations to it. And one of those is that we're fed the lie that there is one path. And nowadays, thankfully, with social media, with the internet, that's all changing with the society, with, you know, products that Boss Babe makes as well. That is all changing. And I think people are a little bit more aware that there are alternatives. But especially 10 years ago, that was not the case. Like, people were only just getting exposed to it. So it was really inspiring for me to be able to be a catalyst for change for other people and say, hey, no, there's another way. We don't have to do it like this because I was so miserable. Like I was sitting at a bank job drinking like seven coffees a day um, because it was the only thing that got me through it. Like I was just dreading the thought that the rest of my life would be like that. I didn't want that for me and I certainly don't want it for other people. So I think that why is still my why today. Like I want people to know that there are alternatives, that there are other options that you don't have to settle for what we think we have to do just to make ends meet. There's more to life than all of that. Totally. I'm so excited to come back to that um, in a few moments. But before we kind of segue that direction, I want to talk to you about um, putting light your lifestyle on social media because, you know, you did go go viral via, you know, 22-year-old buys a Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> yep, and you cringe. have shared <laughs> a lot about your life on social media too. Um, in your opinion, is that necessary like to be an influencer or to grow a social media following these days? Do you have to open up about everything? No, not at all. And I think that's one of the most common things that people struggle with is, you know, do I have to share every intimate detail of my life with my followers? Absolutely not. And I think it really comes down to knowing your niche and knowing your value. Your content is really just a product. So what uh, value does your product provide to your audience? If it's entertainment and lifestyle is, you know, some of that value, then yes, it may be necessary for you to actually share those things. But there are so many other ways and so many people keep a lot of the details of their private lives private because they show up in an educational um, format. You know, they're, they're sharing helpful tips to their audience. They're not necessarily needing to really share any details of their life, but they're focusing on the value that their audience gets. So If you're inclined that way and you want to share your life, I think it's incredibly powerful because people do connect with stories. You know, I shared a lot of my story, the good, the bad, the challenging, the ugly online. And I think because people saw me go through that all, it was relatable, but you certainly don't have to share everything. I think it's just knowing your value. Again, it comes back to product. Like what is the value of your content? Is it going to include sharing those details? Does it include sharing your personal life? Are you showing up as a personal brand? 
Or are you maybe showing up as a brand account like Boss Babe? Are you maybe showing up as an educator solely? Like how are you showing up and what is that value of that content? Doesn't need to be one way. I think that's really powerful. And actually just you talking about content in that way. Like, look, you can have a personal brand content and you can also have a branded content. Mm -hmm. And they are decisions that you get to make. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think sometimes feel like a lot of people feel this... um, barrier to growing on social media because they see it as just influencers and influencers are um pretty they put their butts out you know we've all seen them like those are the influencer the word influencer really had a bad rep for a long time because it was like you know the same type of person not saying anything a derogatory about that type of person who grew because they were clearly leading with value as well. And that's not for everyone. Yeah. And I think now we're kind of more in the era around like, well, actually influence comes in all shapes of form. And what does that look like? So I'm curious as to your perspective. And, you know, we do have a program called Influencer School and we called it that for a very particular reason. Yeah. Um, so you go first and then I'll look back around with some of my opinions on this. Yeah. And I think influencer does get a, a bad rap. You know, the term influencer, we even talked about, you know, mm-hmm. do we call this product Influencer School because of that reputation that that name has? But if I really go back to what the heart of influence is, it's the ability to influence people. It's the ability to have an effect on their lives. And, you know, unfortunately, there is that association with just, you know, aesthetically pleasing people, which power to you. I I support that as well. But that's one way. Nowadays, there's so many different ways that you can become an influencer. And really, I think it's Uh, modern day online marketing. Being an influencer is just being a marketer. You know, there's a lot of respect that people give to uh, people that maybe work in the corporate world that say, oh, I'm in marketing. But if you say, oh, I'm an influencer, then it appears very different. And there's this different, um, different perception of what you do. But really, it's, it's the same thing. Marketing to me is really just the ability to attract attention, hold that attention, and then direct that attention to an offer, whether that's a product or service, an affiliate offer, a subscription, Um, even just exclusive content, whatever that looks like, whatever the monetization route is, that's what old marketing is. And modern day online marketing is just using social media as the medium to do that. So again, if you generate influence, it's only because you're an expert in your niche or, you know, a really good entertainer in your niche. You know how to attract that attention through using content formats, hold that attention through making it interesting or providing value, and then direct that attention somewhere. And I think influencers today are some of the most powerful people on earth. You know, even big corporate companies, they're not paying their marketing department. The marketing department is paying influencers to promote their corporate companies. So if you really kind of look at it that way, I think influencers have a lot more power and, um, you know, are a lot smarter than people give them credit for. Because so there's smart. so much work. You know how much work goes into yeah, creating any content. Piece of content. And like you say, to attract and keep that attention mm-hmm. um, is really, really a skill and an art form. And, you know, just why we've been having this conversation, that's why I love this podcast so much, is because I have like these epiphanies. And like, I think sometimes, like, you know, we live in LA. There's a lot of actors and actresses. And just why we were chatting about this and, you know, we're talking about skill sets and growing skill sets. I'm like, I just realized, like, as an actor or actress, you hone that skill set. You go to acting classes, you go to schools, you learn before you go on stage and camera. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people expect so much of them just because they have this access in their pocket and they can just grab it out and do it. And it isn't the fingertips of every single one of us if you have a phone. Um, There's this expectation that you have to be amazing at it versus it being a learned skill set. Because that is a learned skill set in creating content. Like, we talk about the four 
four types of content too. Like the four E's I've spoken, I did a podcast on this recently, which is like, you know, is it education content? Is it a content that creates emotion and gets them to feel something? Um, is it getting people to unify over a common en- enemy? Like there's all these different types. Um, or like you say, is it pure entertainment? Mm-hmm. There's all these different types of content. But until you start learning that and dissecting it, sometimes it can be really intimidating to come into. Mm-hmm. But actually when you break it down, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. There's a roadmap here. I can learn this skill. A hundred percent. You know, the blessing and the time to learn it. Yeah. I think you just need someone to explain it to you, just like anything, right? If you come into any new skill, whatever it is, there's going to be frameworks underpinning all of it that you have no awareness of. You're just going to see the end product. And that might be really intimidating because the end product is generally shiny and pretty and beautiful and has all these numbers next to it. But no one really knows, you know, the planning. They don't see the documents. They don't see the reels preparation that goes behind the scenes. They don't see, you know, all of the the content meetings within Boss Babe um, that happen to produce the level of content that they do. So I think just like anything, you just need those frameworks. You just need to understand it so that you break down that barrier to entry. And just like anything, once you understand it, then Mm -hmm. you feel a whole lot more confident. When you're confident, then you can be consistent. So like you said, it's so easy for people to think like, oh, I should just be a natural at this because we have it in our pockets. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. It would be nice if it did, right? Do you see yourself as an influencer? Would you describe yourself as an influencer? Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash bossbabe, masterclass.com slash bossbabe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So... I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting, and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. 
Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. I guess you could call me an influencer. Yeah, I influence people to buy these things. <laughs> I think I was influenced to buy the lanterns when I came around and I saw them on your she social media. She did like my account. lanterns. <laughs> I'll send you the affiliate link. Um, no, I mean, I think definitely. Like, I know how to create influence. I do it for myself and I do it for other companies, helping them share their message through our media company. So, yeah, I mean, 100% I'm an influencer, but I don't think I'm the influencer in the traditional sense, you know, where where yeah. people perceive it as just a lifestyle thing anymore. I would say it's much more marketing-based um, and, and education and value-based versus just, you know, being a lifestyle influencer, which, again, is a very viable way of being an influencer. They make a lot of money. They have a lot of impact. And there's no hate whatsoever on lifestyle influencers. But I think— It's an amazing career. Yeah, it's just not the only way. It's not yeah. the only thing. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's like sometimes it gets pigeonholed and it doesn't need to be. There is so much scope. If you are someone who creates content and can persuade someone who watches that to act on it, mm -hmm. then you're an influencer. Also, you're an influencer even if, like, say you didn't even have a social media account in some ways and you're going to work and you're influencing on what people do around you. Like, yep. there's all types of influence. And I think if that's just an empowering way of looking at it. Like, oh, actually, I do have influence and I get to transform it into this medium. Yep. yep. Um, because that's also a part as well. Let's talk about the different mediums. Let's go for it. You grew on YouTube. I did. <laughs> now you're more instagram base less on youtube well what now are you feeling about the two now i'm more uh using that skill in a business sense to support other people and sharing their message so unfortunately the amy sangster content has taken a backseat <laughs> <laughs> in that i would love to show up full-time on youtube um but just don't have capacity to it is something that you have to be consistent with just like anything consistency is really key and i know that my limitation right now is time you know i'm growing two companies at the moment um, so I don't have capacity to show up in YouTube despite wanting to. So that's why Instagram has been a really nice creative outlet. Cause while I'm focusing on business things during the day, I still have this creative side that needs to be fulfilled. And I do want to connect with an audience and I want to share, share the message still. Cause that why still exists. It's so easy just to get on reels nowadays. And the reach that you have with reels is similar to that of YouTube. The reason that I love YouTube so much was because of the power to be suggested and recommended, because of the power to reach a wider audience. Whereas Instagram, typically, before Reels came out, for me, it was a little bit more limited in its capacity. And also, I love video content. It's kind of my thing. Uh, so it was a little bit more limited there. But now with Reels, it's so easy to reach a wider audience. Uh, it's so easy to get your phone out. And I say this I say this tentatively because I don't want people to think it's easy. It's easy for me because I've been doing it for 10 years. It might not be as easy for someone that's just starting out, but it is, it's pretty quick. It's logistically easy. It is logistically I would, easy. I would say it's that. It's logistically easy. You do not need all this scary tech, which I yep. feel like is a little intimidating for 100%. YouTube. Like you can just grab your phone and that that's the beauty of it. It's logistically easy. So you just need to focus on the actual content that you're yep. creating, which I believe everyone has the power to do. 100%. Like you say, if they have that framework, if they follow it, then it's actually can become easy for them. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're trying to figure it out on your own quite often, like then it becomes daunting. But there is a lot that you can do. So let's go back. You know, you mentioned it earlier to um, 
attract, hold, and direct. Yes. Let's dive into those a little bit more because I love on this podcast that we get into like the nitty gritty. I feel like you listen to a lot of podcasts and you don't get all the takeaways. So I want to like really break those down for people who are listening going, okay, I'm hearing it's logistically easy. I want to create some content, (laughs) but how? (laughs) Okay. Well, I go back to those three things because I think no matter what content format, whether it's YouTube, whether it's an email, uh, anything that you're putting out online, a reel, a a thread on Instagram, the first thing is being able to attract attention. You can have the most amazing piece of content with the most amazing message, but if you don't package it in a way that actually attracts attention, no one's going to see it. And what I mean by that is, let's say an email, for example, you could have this incredible email written. If you don't have a subject line that allows people to actually get their attention, click on that email and open it, that email is worthless. So the ability to attract via a hook, and a hook can be the first three seconds of a reel, it can be the first 10 seconds of a YouTube video, including the title and the thumbnail. In an email, it can be the subject line. What is that first thing that gets someone's attention? You know, we're so busy nowadays. We're scrolling on different apps. We've got notifications everywhere. We've got busy lives. So what is that thing that actually takes someone a second to pause and go, oh, I want to look at this content. I want to open this email. I want to stop scrolling on Instagram and actually consume this. Even if it's only a 10-second piece of content, you have to be a master of just getting people to stop for a second and go, ooh, that's piqued my interest. And typically, we say an open loop. You want to open that loop in someone's mind of like, ooh, there's an intrigue factor here. I need to close this loop. I need to open this email, get the information so I can close the loop. So let's say, for instance... Yeah, let's give us some examples All right. So let's say, for instance, in an email, let's say I wanted to talk about three finance principles that'll change your life. I could title that email and I could be like, open a savings account, uh, invest in index funds, and you know, I could just literally name them out that wouldn't really create any kind of intrigue with yeah, someone. Yeah, or like financial tips. Three financial tips, that you know? Would be, that would be a bad one. It would be It would be okay, but I think we could do a little yeah, better. Yeah, we can do better in this day and age. A hundred percent. So three unexpected got, finance tips that changed my life or something like that, right? Like you put me on the spot here a little bit, but <laughs> I would think really intentionally about like, okay, who is the person that I'm trying to connect with first and foremost? Because if you try and connect with everyone, you're going to connect with no one. So who is this this ideal person that I'm trying to connect with. For me, it would be someone interested in finance if I'm writing an email like that. So I would get really, really granular and dive into what does this person care about? What would get their attention? What kind of content are they consuming? What's happening in pop culture right now? Could I reference something? Let's say, for instance, you know, there had just been um, an interest rate hike or something like that, or inflation. Let's use that one because right now inflation's at an all-time high. Uh, that's something that is in people's awareness before I've even sent them an email, created a piece of content. So they know about that. So if I just tap into that, that could get their attention. Three things you need to know about the latest inflation rate hike that will change your life. Something like that. Obviously, it needs massaging, right? But you're playing into things that are already in their awareness, something that they care about. Uh, Maybe if it's wealth that they're trying to generate, I would say like three things that help me generate seven figures by 22 you know, what is that thing that they care about and how can I open that loop in their mind and not just give them all the answers straight up. A lot of the time I see people titling YouTube videos, literally the exact answer to the question. So it would be like, uh, the one coaching trick that will change your life, sales or something like that. And they give you the answer literally in the title or the thumbnail. No, you have to open that loop and make people watch the content, make people consume the content to get that answer. And sometimes it's like, getting them to realize why they need to know that thing in the first place, right? 100%. So it's like, 
here's an example, like a food one, like why you need to replace um, your cook, your vegetable oil, mm -hmm. right? And you would need to ins educate them on that why. Or like, yep. so here's why, maybe the title would be something like, um, why you should buy extra virgin olive oil, right? Yep. But if you just say, oh, this is the reason, then it doesn't have as much like it doesn't hit home as much as, okay, well, these oils are really bad for you. Yep. And that's why then you should replace. So it's kind of like taking them through that whole like yep. cycle, which I feel like sometimes, the one thing I think is really interesting when people create content is they forget to put themselves in the other pe yes. person's shoes. Yep. So I think that's a really good skill set mm -hmm. that I've noticed particularly that you have. Thank you. And I'm really curious like how you, how you do that in the sense of like, it, do you go... Do you read books or is there something like you study other people? Like, how do you really think, oh, like this is going to, this is, people are going to relate to this. This is going to hit home to them. I think it's a combination of things. First and foremost, just experience and practice. The more you do anything, the better you're going to yeah, become at it. Oh, look at that. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> I got no novel advice on that one, unfortunately. <laughs> However, I would say um, to consume like a creator, not a consumer. So whenever I consume any piece of content, whether it's an ad that gets my attention, whether it's an email that I open, whether it's a YouTube video that I click on when I open Apple TV and it's there and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I want to click on that one. I question it. I'm like, why did I do that? What about this made me do that? Was it the thumbnail? Was it the title? Like, how did they create this content in a way that got my attention? Because I'm aware of what they're doing and it still got my attention. If I buy something on an ad, I'm like, how did they do that? Then I'll benchmark it. I have a whole saved folder of benchmark content where I'm like, this was really great content. I want to analyze it and break it down. And so I have a notes app where I'll put in the piece of content and I'll literally like analyze it next to it. So headline opened a loop, um, you know, preview text, you know, and really analyze and break down how to do it. And then you can use that format to really replicate and try it on your own content. So let's bring that back to, let's say, Instagram for a second. So if someone's like, oh, and we talk about this in influencer school. So if someone is like, I want to create some content that people are going to engage with and I would love it to go viral. Yeah. What you're saying, what we talk about is actually go and don't consume the viral content that you're getting shown all the time and just look at it as a consumer. Go and analyze it. Go and like, why why is this doing? So mm -hmm. what? It, where is the intrigue? What is relatable? Is this someone saying the thing that everyone else wants to say and they don't? Like, what about that? And I think that's yep. a really good perspective and good thing to point out because it is a very different mindset going into it. Like you're not going on your Instagram account just to like scroll and see what's happening. You're like, okay, I'm going on my Instagram account. Oh, that's viral. How, what made this go viral? Yep. And how can I replicate it? Yep. I think it's really, really important to audit other people's content, audit your own content. And in fact, I think Natalie just put together a whole process on how to audit your own Instagram yep. account. Uh, maybe you can link it in the show notes for people to grab that. Yeah, but maybe we can. Maybe you could. <laughs> maybe you could do something like that. But I think it's so important to really reflect. Like if a piece of content does well, whether it's your own or someone else's, just ask why, you know, break it down. And oftentimes you'll see most platforms nowadays, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, they're all favoring video content. So we can just look at video content for a second and go, what would that platform, if I'm Instagram, I'm YouTube, or I'm TikTok, what would I create an algorithm to reward? Because these algorithms are really just Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok saying, I want to reward people taking the actions that we want them to take. So if I put myself in the shoes of Zuck at Instagram or, um, or Rub Missouri at Instagram, I would say, okay, what would I reward? I actually want to reward people staying on this platform. I want to reward creators who are holding people on the platform longer. Therefore, 
I know that as a creator, I have to do that job really well. And if I do that, then I'll get algorithmic favor and Instagram will like me and promote my, my videos to more people. So to strip that back and make it more simple, if you can make people watch your reels longer and, and create videos that hold people's attention longer versus just scrolling straight past them, you're in a good place. So then I think, okay, well, how do I actually go about that? Again, I'm not going to give everyone the information right off the bat. The first thing they see in my reel is all the information right away. I'm going to hook them. Maybe it's, you know, three lies you've been told about money. And then I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to make them wait until the end of that video to get the three lies. Or I'm going to say, uh, read the caption. And then they're going to have to stay on that piece of content even longer to read the caption. All of this Instagram's logging. So Instagram knows how long people are looking at your content. So if you become a master of holding that attention, the platforms are going to reward you and push that content out to more people. I That's so important. And I think it just like break. I just feel like a lot of people find growing on Instagram and growing on social media intimidating. Yes. And then I also think what happens is a lot of people start, they try, and then they give up. Yeah. And what do you think are some of the reasons that people give up? I think first and foremost letting fear get in the way, you know, letting uh, a negative result get in the way, letting failure tell them that they're not good enough and they should just stop because I want, there's pain there and I need to move away from it. That's what our brains are wired to do. If there's pain, move away. It's built to help us survive. It's not built to help us thrive. As corny as it sounds, it's very, very true. And you know this. Yeah. So being able to push through discomfort, first and foremost, of going, okay, I put this reel out and no one's really engaging with it. doesn't mean I'm going to quit. It means I'm going to analyze that piece of content and go, why didn't it connect? Why didn't people like this? Try again the next day. Do better. And something we say in influencer school all the time is 1% better every day. It doesn't have to go zero to 100. That's what people expect. And they hold themselves to this standard. Then when they don't meet it, they just feel defeated. And again, anything that doesn't feel good will naturally move away from. So if you learn to give yourself a little grace and say, you know what? I'm just going to aim for 1% better. Maybe I'm just going to share a little bit more value today. Maybe I'm just going to show up a little bit more confidently. Maybe I'm going to create one extra piece of content today. What is that little incremental improvement that's going to add up over the long term that's going to help you see results? And focus on that versus the amount of views that you get, um, the engagement that you get, maybe the response that you get from your family and friends. I know that's a big one for people when they stop posting and showing up like an influencer, whether that's an educator or an entertainer, is like, oh, it's really awkward. My family and friends are watching this. My grandma's watching this. And I, I feel really uncomfortable about it. And like you said before, I think it's knowing that it's a part of your job and treating it that way for you to show up in that capacity and show up not for yourself, but for other people. That's a complete reframe that helps you push through those times where you're like, oh, want to give up. Didn't feel very good today. You can actually connect back to that why and to those people that you're doing it for and just give yourself grace in the process. It's going to take time, but you'll never get to that place that you want to be if you don't allow yourself to show up and feel a little bit uncomfortable from time to time and probably likely every single day to get to ultimately get that result that you want. I think it comes down to like judgment, you know. I think like we judge ourselves so harshly at times. Yep. Like sometimes, I mean, I'm I'm post Hoffman now. And <laughs> again, I will do a podcast on this. You guys I want to know it all. Hoffman thing going about. Um, but basically, like say so you go into a lot of your pa patterns yep. that are like unconscious in yep. your head over and over again and I just realized I'm like wow I say some really awful things to myself in my head which I would never say to somebody yep. else ever a hundred percent and so like being really aware of that um I think is really powerful and a big thing I think is a I honestly don't think 
um, the biggest challenge for a lot of people starting to grow on social media is necessarily um, all about skills. I think the biggest hurdle is mindset, which yep. we've seen in people with influencer school. That I think that's why we've had so many amazing results because yep. we first start with mindset before we go anywhere. Oh yeah, we don't let them create a piece of content until they've done the work. It's, so it's like a little mini Hoffman within a yeah. influencer school. But you're right. Like people need to get out of their own way if they want to achieve anything in life. I think we hold ourselves back so incredibly much and I'm the same way. Like, you know me, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah, you're hard on yourself too. Really hard on myself. And I think in some ways it's a good thing and it's positive to have a high standard and to strive for something more. But we also need to recognize when that becomes detrimental. And I think it becomes detrimental when, A, if you never give yourself credit for anything, then even if you have all the amazing results, it's not going to feel so great. But also if it's stopping you from showing up to do the thing because you're saying it's not good enough, it's not good enough, that's when then it becomes detrimental mm. as well. So yeah, I think it's really, really crucial to understand your patterns, understand, you know, what it is that you're moving away from. In the past, was it, you know, you got made fun of at school or like all these little things in our childhood that affected us that whenever we're reminded of them in adulthood, that we move away from. And social media will trigger that for sure because it is kind of like an adult playground. Yeah. Can I ask you a personal question? Go for it. How have you judged yourself on social media? Like. I think has been the hurdle for you? And maybe it's not so like prevalent for you now, but like in the past. I think, um, and it still is prevalent, but I think I'm a lot kinder to myself through having done a lot of work. Um, so even though I say it's easy for me now, it's not that it's completely frictionless. There is still definitely friction. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest ways that I've judged myself definitely in the past was, you know, I'm a female. So we care about what we look like, right? So I would see, you know, certain angles of myself or um, even just the the style of content that I was creating. Like I would like to think that I've changed a lot and learned a lot and I have a lot more value to share with the world nowadays just through experiences that I've had. But even just looking back on, you know, like some of that content can be perceived as very material and materialistic. And I think I've judged that in the past as well. And it's, being a beautiful kind of coming together and and recognizing like, no, that's all part of the journey. And I'm actually really glad that, especially after having lost my partner, I have this memory log of kind of every stage of my life. And I can look back on that person and give myself grace and go, oh, you know, she was young and she was figuring it out. But like, that's pretty cool. She was putting herself out there anyway. But there is certainly part of me that, you know, does have to come to terms with like, wow, I really showed up like that <laughs> when I was when I was young. And, and it would be easy for me to slip into that mindset of being judgmental of that. But now I've kind of reframed that to be like, oh, how cool that I was actually just showing up and didn't have a care in the world. Uh, and, you know, through doing that, the amount of positive impact that had, whether it's cringy to me now to look at or not, like 80,000 people's lives were changed through doing that. Millions of dollars were made through doing that. It changed my life and my business partner's life. Like, hugely doing that. Mm. But if I didn't get over that like self-judgment and that cringe factor, that never, ever would have happened. So I think, yeah, there's there's been numerous ways. I think I judge myself for not showing up enough nowadays. You know, running two businesses is a lot. Um, and I judge myself for not doing enough and showing up enough and answering enough and responding enough and being never available. Enough. I think that's so common, right? We're all mm. judging ourselves for not being enough all the time. I know that... Uh, 
you'll get into it in the Hoffman episode, I'm sure. But yeah, I know that, that you just went me. through a lot of that as well. I think we we share that. And I, I, I'm glad you're opening up about this because I think it's really important that sometimes you think that, oh, when I get there, I'll do this when. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't feel like this after I've done 100 videos or 200, whatever that is, right? Yeah. But I think it's a really dangerous thing to put emotions and feelings and patterns on destinations. Yeah. Um, like, oh, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when's a big one. And I th- I think it's just really important for people to understand that no matter where you are on your journey, these things will sometimes pop up, but they become less. They yeah. become less because you work through them or you know the way over them mm-hmm. much easier. Like, oh, I've been here. I've got a road going over this one. And 100%. I just I just think mental health is really important to talk about with social media and business. Yeah. Um, because I never want people to look and think, yeah, me and Amy feel great all the time. Like we have these- We have breakdowns yeah. on the rig. Oh yeah, like <laughs> totally, like crying. You and called like, me last oh. week with one in fact. Yeah, I literally did, didn't I? It was so true. And like, I think that's a powerful thing. Like just be open about that and yeah. and share that. Yeah, I was like really judging myself. Um, I actually thought about that at Hoffman. Well, you have to um, fill me in. <laughs> so, and I, I do think that's, that's really, really powerful to just own. And when you start owning all your feelings, that's the biggest- freedom I felt recently is owning my feelings oh yeah. I own that I was upset I yeah. own that I was happy I also knew that I was I own that I was frustrated I also own that I was excited like all the good emotions and the bad emotions they're not bad emotions they're, they're just, just emotions. Like, yeah, emotions like you, we get to own all of those and I think that's really powerful and if you want to put yourself out there or if you want to um, grow a social media following based on your personal account anyway. I think brand's slightly different, but it's really important to own all parts of you and be comfortable with them. And I don't think that's necessarily like something that happens overnight, but I think all of us can go on that journey and it be a continuing journey throughout our lives. It's definitely a key that you said, continuing journey. Like yeah. it's not like you get to this point and you're like, oh, I'm just good. Like, I'm just good with everything. I'm confident all the time. I look great all the time. I feel like I know what I'm talking about all the time. It just doesn't happen. You just reach new levels at where, uh, at which friction occurs. So, you know, maybe in the beginning, friction occurs when you're like just, you know, turning the camera onto yourself and you're like, oh God, not today. <laughs> that might be level one. And then six months later, it might be that friction occurs when, you know, you're doing a podcast or something like that. And then that's a new level because it's live speaking and there's no script and you haven't planned and you haven't done all these things, right? Then a year later, it might be speaking on stage. So you're always going to hit resistance. It's just, what do you do in those moments when you do hit resistance? Can you give yourself grace? Can you allow yourself to suck? That's something I say often in influencer school is like, give yourself the grace to show up and suck because if you don't allow yourself to suck, you're never going to be amazing. Everyone sucks at some point. And you will continue to suck. Like you and I suck at things often. Oh my God, (laughs) often. And I think like create an environment first and foremost that is going to be supportive of you in those times. Like we have that uh, in the work that we do together. You know, we're so kind to each other when when we need a little pat on the back, we give it to each other. Um, And if you don't have that environment, I think that can be really challenging. And that's something actually I want to talk about is when myself and my business partner initially started our business, we were young and we didn't have, you know, friends around us that were doing similar things. And I know that is something that I'm sure listeners really relate to is they want to start out on a new path, whether that's being an influencer, starting on social media, starting an online business, and they don't have that network. And all they get is the feedback from their environment, which is, you know, what are you doing? Who do you think you are to do that? Like, that's never going to work. And we hear that so often. 
And that will always be present. But can you support yourself also with people that are going to tell you the opposite, that are going to give you the love that you need? And that's what's so incredible, I think, with Influencer School is not just like the content and seeing the results that people are getting, but the community that's been built. It's my favorite. Like people hyping each other up. And there's so many women in there that have just said like, I think the community is the most amazing part because of the support that it's provided. And sometimes you don't necessarily need another tip or a trick or a hack or something to do. You just need someone to say like, hey, show up today. You got this. Or that reel was dope. You know, even though maybe it didn't get the engagement that you wanted, like, I thought that was amazing. Keep going. And I think one of the the comments that we see often is like, oh, I wasn't really sure when I first started out, but actually I saw someone like one of my old friends and they said like how amazing my content is. And I think it's those little sparks that keep you going. And if you don't have that and all you have is this negative feedback from your environment, it makes it so much harder. It's like swimming upstream versus if you support yourself with a positive environment, you're working with the flow of the water rather than like fighting every day against all of these external things to keep going. Completely. I love that. Like working with the flow of the water, you're true. Like that's so true. You're like with the flow of the stream. Yeah. I want to share a quote that um, this is Danielle Canty original. Oh. <laughs> but this really helped me because I feel like when you first start on social media, this this was what got in my way. I cared so much what other people would think because I was a chiropractor and I like mastered that. You know how you were saying that you suck at like loads of things, but generally what happens is you suck at new things and you probably got pretty good at the things that you've done over and over again. So I came from chiropractic into online world. I didn't even have it. I think I had an Instagram account for like a year and I started in 2017 and probably posted about five times <laughs> when I went into Boss Babe and I was behind the scenes for so, so long. But one thing that really stood in my way of posting was like caring what people would think of me because I was doing something so different. Like, Was no it the one... people that you knew or was it external or everyone? It was just like old school friends. Yeah. Like the weird, there was sort of these weird ones that I could, you don't even know that you care about that yeah. person. Yeah. You know, And they're not like your close friends, but they're people who are following you. I probably had like 200 followers at that point, right? And I realized, and I said that I put this quote on my Instagram a little while ago, and I was like, you care what they think at the beginning, but they care what you think at the end. (laughs) It was a good one, right? That's why I wanted to get out. Ooh, yeah. Great quote. I know, right? And it's so true. I should trademark that right away. You should trademark Um, But it, it is because it made me now... Those people I was scared about on them judging me at the beginning, they're like, shout me out on my, they'll like mm-hmm. post my stuff or they'll comment on it. Or, yep. And it's amazing. I had um, that same experience. Yeah. I had a, uh, you know, people when I was working at the bank, there was uh, a lot of older, successful, traditionally successful uh, men that worked there. Of course, the 19 year old blonde person coming in saying that she was going to quit her job and start day trading. <laughs> they didn't really take to it too well. Uh, and they told me all the reasons why I shouldn't. They were coming from a good place, as most people I think they were are. They also coming from a place of fear for what they know to be true. I think there is definitely categories where that comes from. And I had both. So there are the people that feel threatened by what you're doing, because if you can succeed and they can't, or they're not doing it, it highlights all of the things that they're not doing. And that makes them feel bad about themselves. I genuinely believe these people cared about no, me. fear for you. As in they oh. cared for you and they were fearful for you yeah. as well. So I think two ways. Fearful because they feel threatened. But then I think there's people who are just genuinely fearful for you. They love you yep. so much. They don't want to see you fail. Yep. And they're afraid of your failure for you. A hundred percent. And it, that's what I mean. I think they were really in the right place. And often you'll see this with like parents who want their kids to go to college. 
and the child doesn't want to or the teen doesn't want to, they want to go on their own path. And not that there's one right or wrong way, but there are definitely differences starting to emerge where the parents want one thing and the teen wants another. And I don't think it's that they have these ill intentions. They just think that that's what you have to do. We want this so badly for you. You're making a bad, uh, a bad choice here, a bad decision. And I think that's what I was experiencing at the bank. They were like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're in this career where you're on your way up and you've made it. You know, that's what everyone was telling me. Like, oh, you've made it so far as a 19-year-old working in the bank. Um, and it was interesting to see their response when I said, oh, I'm actually going to go do different things. I'm going to do bigger things. And I, I kind of said it with starry eyes. And I think they just thought like, oh, she's, she's probably going to be back. You know, this won't work. Uh, and they were not shy in letting me know about that. And then now I get Facebook messages from them of, oh, what's that course that you have? I'd love to learn. And these are from financial professionals that were working at a bank. So it's interesting. I, I don't necessarily see it as like an egoic. I know there's a lot of these quotes going around of like, kind of from an egoic perspective of like, oh, they'll come around. They'll come, you know. And I don't see it like that. I just see it as like a shift in perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think you can like really appreciate those people that do have your best interests at heart versus feeling like, oh, you know, they don't support me. I, I agree. And I think that's a huge shift in perspective now because, you know, we're in the era of the creator economy, right? Mm -hmm. And if I think back to being a student at school, right? My mom was trained in dance, was an art and design, and she had to become a teacher because she couldn't really make a good income on that. Yeah. Because traditionally, creative pathways were really underpaid. Yep. You would get some like elite of the elite, which would get paid good. But generally, rare. like it was really hard. If you like, you know, I was definitely lucky that I was very academic. So math, science, I'm going to like put academic in quotation marks, like the <laughs> traditional like math, science and English stuff. Like I did really well at. But I remember like my brother wasn't that way inclined and he was... Uh, more creative. Yeah. And he really struggled. Like he got labeled as not being smart almost because yeah. of that. People didn't understand that or didn't necessarily see always the value in that in the school education system yep. as it was in the UK at the time. And I am so pleased now from being of a family from creators. My, yeah. my dad was an accountant mind, but you know, it's so incredible to see that completely switching. Yeah. Because now I see so much power in the creators. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who are in demand. And social media has really switched that. Yep. Because like we were saying in this whole conversation, marketing's had to change. Yep. There's ways that the, the money used to go one way, now it's flipping the other way. hundred so percent. From your perspective, because you've been in the creator economy for over a decade now. Not gonna give away Getting how old, old you are. <laughs> I just turned thirty-two. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. We, can, we can take a, uh, a sigh of relief on that one. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm wanting to talk. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, I think there's. Def I mean, one of the common questions is like, oh, is it too late? Is it still growing? Can I get in? Is it oversaturated? There's so many people doing this nowadays. Is it still an option for me? Let's just before we get into that, let's define the creative economy like because okay. I think that's somebody being like, huh, what is that? Yeah, that's true. Um, I think there's the one side of it that people see are the literal creators, right? There's the people who are showing up and creating content. And I think that's almost where it gets its bad rap from or people see it as not like a serious career because all you see is like TikTokers doing dances and stuff <laughs> like that. But there's a whole economy to support this. And we walk people through this in the beginning of Influencer School and it's really um, this whole emergence of this economy has needed services, systems, um, you know, payment processes, like so many different products and services to actually support this economy, which has now grown into like, what is a hundred billion dollar economy yeah. and growing. 
And it's not just the creators. The creators are the fuel of everything. Without the creators, it doesn't exist. But there are so many different careers within the creator economy. You know, building uh, a platform myself to serve the creator economy, that's a route. You, you don't have to be, I, I believe it was, um, uh, who was it? Uh, the ladies, Crystal and Giada from Content Crop. Oh, they were amazing. They're amazing. And they had this amazing analogy that's always stuck with me. They said, uh, in the gold rush, there were the gold miners and then there were Levi's providing the jeans for the gold miners to wear. Ooh. And you don't have to be the gold miner. Yeah. You can provide the jeans. So that's, that's always true. stuck with me as a really great way to explain it. And in the creator economy, you know, you have um, platforms that people are building to support creators like, you know, Instagram, yeah. TikTok, uh, membership platforms, all the things. You have social media managers that are yep. needed to help support the creators. Boss, we have a whole team supporting the creators. We have a whole team. Yeah. And, and how much do you guys spend on team costs? You know, like that is yep. a whole thing in its own right is just the creative people that support the faces behind the creative economy. And people don't see that. There are copywriters, there are uh, videographers, there are editors, and they're just like the mainstream ones. There are so many different people involved in this economy that people don't really think about. And I think that's why it's often uh, given a bad rap when people say, oh, I'm going to go work in the creator economy. People just envision you doing like a TikTok dance on your stairs or something, yeah. you know, versus actually building a career in one of the fastest growing economies right now, one of the safest economies because it's not dependent on a location. There's a lot of turbulent things happening in the world. And I think security is something that is really, really important to so many. And I feel so grateful every single day seeing all the things that are happening that I haven't been affected negatively. In fact, I almost have guilt sometimes because it's actually positively impacted, you know, our business and the way that we work because of the freedom to, you know, do it from anywhere in the world, the freedom to not be, you know, tied to having distribution and manufacturing and all of these uh, infrastructures around you that are actually quite vulnerable when the economy shifts or when something happens in the world. You're pretty independent when all you rely on is a social media platform or an internet connection. So I feel grateful for that every single day. And I think before the emergence of the creator economy, that really was quite rare to be able to make a living um, doing it in that way. Yeah, that's really true. And, you know, I'm glad we're speaking about this because one thing that I grew up thinking was like, oh, get a job that's stable. Yeah. But actually employing yourself or having the side hustle where you're getting this extra income or even mm -hmm. becoming your sole hustle. Like when um, COVID hit for us, Natalie and I were in the driving seat of our own business yep. to pivot that. Yep. And we could take it in the direction. So I'm really glad that you brought it up. So a lot of people, just as you had started to share, it's like, oh, I've missed the social media bandwagon. Yeah. Like, I've missed Instagram. I've <laughs> do they missed say it TikTok. in that voice? <laughs> yeah, occasionally they do. This is also my meditation voice. It's quite relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, what would you say to them? I think that's a limiting belief. I mean, if you look at the trajectory of the creator economy, it's going up and to the right. You know, it's growing. And people can see that as an excuse of like, oh, you know, it's it's already taken off, missed the boat, or they can see it as an incredible opportunity to join an emerging economy and one that's continuing to grow. I think what has tangibly changed is there is more competition. You know, in any new market, there is kind of this period of time where you're an early adopter and there's no competition. So you have a lot more freedom then. There is more competition now, 
There's also more opportunity now with the emergence of new platforms and all these new ways to monetize and make money. So I think that's where the value of knowing how to navigate the creator economy comes in, which is exactly why we created Influencer School, to teach people how to navigate that. Because it's not a one-stop shop nowadays where it used to be, show your lifestyle, pose on a car, you know, get, get your legs out and get a brand deal. That was kind of like the one route that really existed in the beginning or the known route, um, at least. Nowadays, there are so many different ways you can monetize. There are so many different ways that you can show up. There are so many different social media platforms. And I think you really need that help to know what actually suits my skill set. What am I going to be able to be consistent in based on my lifestyle? How am I going to be able to monetize? And what actually makes sense for me to monetize? You know, there are some people who might just want a side hustle. They might just want to have that security of knowing, okay, you know what? I actually kind of like my job. I'm really doing well here. I want to continue on this trajectory. I'd like to have this security. And I think that's a big thing that I feel is like my audience is my insurance policy. And I've heard other people say this. And granted, like I don't have the biggest audience in the world, but I know what to do with it. And I know that no matter what happens, I'll always be able to tap into that and provide value in some way to them. And because of that, I'll always be secure. So I think it's really understanding how to navigate it and not letting it overwhelm you and giving yourself the tools, whether it's influencer school or something else, like giving yourself the tools that you need to navigate it effectively. You can't throw yourself headfirst into anything that you don't understand and expect for it to work out. I think you really do need a little bit of guidance. And that guidance could simply be just really observing other people and watching what they're doing and asking questions and, uh, you know, hitting people up. Like if you see someone uh, doing really well at social media, like don't be afraid to ask can always reach out to me and ask like, hey, I want to learn more. You know, like, how are you doing this? But being a student, like you said. And that's the biggest misconception that I've seen as well, that people think they have to have a million followers before they make a million dollars. And Natalie and I always say, completely that is not the case yeah and now the money is in the micro influencers yep. under a hundred thousand that is where I know a lot of brands are putting their money because 100%. they see the biggest lift with that yeah so I think that's a really bit there's a really big opening for more people to get into the yep. creator economy for more people to make revenue out of the creator economy yep. and really take on the direction and the ownership of their own careers and where they want to take that Yep, 100%. I saw a lot of press releases recently going out to influencer marketing agencies saying that, yeah, sub 50,000 um, follower accounts were actually the most impactful, generally because they're more niche. So if you have a, let's say a meme account with like 5 million followers, maybe 10% of those people or even less are actually interested in the offer that you put in front of them. But if you have a, a smaller account that's really, really engaged and niche around a certain topic, a lot more of those people are going to be interested in the offer that you put in front of them. So it's not about, you know, growing to this massive, you know, millions and millions of followers count or anything like that. I've seen people with sub 1000 followers that everyone is an influencer, whether you're, you know, presenting in a meeting or, you know, trying to convince someone to date you, <laughs> you know, like having persuasion and, and yeah. <laughs> See? And oftentimes we see that people just have it a little bit wrong uh, in the beginning, or I wouldn't say wrong, but they don't have a clear picture in their mind of how they're going to get there. And they kind of just think like, oh, I'd, I'd like to make a little extra money, but we really help them get clear on like, okay, if you want to make an extra 5K a month, this is your options. You know, you can sell this at this amount and these are your options, or, you know, maybe you don't want to go into 
a subscription service like Patreon or something where you're offering a $9 a month subscription because you don't have that many followers yet. And that's really a volume game. So I think it's like knowing how to navigate to get the result that you want. And there are so many different results that you can achieve through being a creator. It doesn't look the same for everyone. I think that was a big inspiration and a big motivation to create Influencer School is there are so many programs and courses and, and books out there that show you one path. And that was a little bit of my qualm with like traditional education is like there's one route, there's one path, when in reality there are many. It's kind of like a buffet. You get to select what you want based on where you want to go in life. And that didn't really exist. There was no one showing you how to navigate the many, many options that are available to you and kind of put them together into a meal that you actually want to eat. Um, so yeah, that's a, I, don't, I don't know what question you asked anymore. I just went off on a tangent no, there. But but. <laughs> I was just thinking, I love that we put those things in. I really enjoy that about the content and the courses that we create. We are no fluff, no BS. Someone's yeah. like, oh, I want to make this amount from selling this with this many followers. No love, that's completely unrealistic. Yeah. You want to make this much money, go for it, but you need to do it this route. Exactly. And I love that we're just so upfront and honest because all we ever want to do is to help women make more money. Yeah. That is our number one goal. Um, and so I really enjoy that we never hold back on that and that we have the experience. We're like, okay, don't make the same mistakes that we did. Yeah. <laughs> do it this way. Um, we're going to save you something there. Well, I mean, um, we literally created the map, right? Yeah. And it's like, what should I focus on? Because we found out that was what people were getting so tripped up on is like, what should I focus on and when? Should I be growing? Should I be monetizing? What should I do? So we created a flowchart for them. <laughs> if you're here, go here. If yes, go here. Because I think that needs to exist. Yeah. Like there's, it's not a linear path. There are many, many different options, but someone needed to put that together to someone help. Someone needed to. <laughs> and we, we, did. we did it. So it, it burnt us out, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about like, obviously when we were creating influencer school, it's a lot of content and yeah. a lot of skills go into that. And Let's just talk about being able to create content as a skill set and what yep. that can mean for you and your life. Yep. Um, because I think it can mean more than lots of people realize. Yeah. Like I actually feel like co creating content is sprinkled into everyone's life in yep. many different ways. Yeah. I think you hit on something earlier and everyone is an influencer, whether you're, you know, presenting in a meeting or, you know, trying to convince someone to date you, <laughs> you know, like having persuasion. And, and I just convinced um, a yeah. girl Lisa <laughs> on my apartment. I was like using all my uh, persuasion techniques, See? my influence techniques. Having influence is really, really powerful. Knowing how to persuade people to take the action that you want them to take, which can be used for good or evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. But knowing how to create the actions that you want in people is, is an incredibly powerful skill. What question did you ask? <laughs> we were talking about the content as a skill set. Amy. Content as a skill set. But we set. did go into dating and I was going to enjoy that. Like I got distracted. <laughs> I started thinking about dating. Well, on the last podcast I did with Natalie, we ended up talking about launches as sex and the oh. pre-launch being the foreplay. That was an interesting podcast if you've not listened to it I've yet. I've not listened to it yet, but now I might go and listen to it. I might get distracted again. <laughs> um, no, content as a skill, it's been incredibly powerful for me and I've pivoted and used it in so many different ways. Um, like obviously the external way that people should see is YouTube and Instagram and the, the content that I create for myself. But I've pivoted and used that in a media company, right? Knowing how to create content that converts, how to create content that actually gets a result. It's incredibly powerful and a lot of businesses need that. So I've turned that skill into a media business where we now support others. Again, I have so much security because I know that let's say that all went away. I could go be a social media manager in a heartbeat. 
let's say that all went away. I could go work in the entertainment world in a hobby because I understand what goes into creating a piece of content. And there are so many different, you know, from Boss Babe, there are so many different people who are involved in that creative process. And if you understand from start to finish how to do it, you can become any one of those people at any moment. Um, or you can even educate people how to do it. Like, you know, I could step into that very easily as well. So I think in relation to influencer school, one of the biggest assets, and there are a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, I know, creating content so that you can create your own products, not having to outsource that and pay it because video work is quite expensive if you don't know how to do it yourself. So I think it's been really powerful, particularly in our own businesses and, and with Boss Babe as well. We were able to create that course in-house versus having to outsource it, which you know increased profit margins for one but also like reduce the amount of infrastructure and time and people involved in the process because we could do it all start to finish mm-hmm. ourselves. So I think not only is it financially wise and from a business perspective wise to have understanding around how to create content, but it's also incredibly empowering to have an idea and be able to execute on it and just create it start to finish yourself. I find that really motivating to know that let's say we, we're in a meeting and we have an idea, we can just go and make it happen. My perception is as well that you don't have to be the one that creates all the content or is on the front of the camera all the time. But what's really important in this day and age, I believe, is that you do understand um, what the creator economy is. And within that, how content, how good content is created for social media and then how that spreads along and how what is influence and how to create influence Mm -hmm. and how to do all these things like even if you're not doing it you should understand it so if you're a business owner I think it's really really important that you understand all of these concepts even if you're not the one executing on it and also if you're an employee I think it's just really really good knowledge to like really understand this area because like we just started by saying it doesn't even need to be used in the traditional sense like the understanding messaging and understanding like the art of structuring I use that in conversations now I'm like okay if I sandwich it like this it's gonna yeah it's just how to connect with people like content is a language that we're speaking online and (laughs) that is a good (laughs) one like that one that's an Amy Sangster original right there I like that one but I think knowing how to speak the language is just so important even if let's say you have a job in tourism maybe you work with the four seasons if you can go into that interview and say I also have social media skills I can run your social media I can create content that's going to serve you you become so much more valuable in a heartbeat and it's always a skill that you can fall back on and take that power back and do it for yourself if you want to be the face, but you don't have to be. Like, think about the people that interview to work with Boss Babe. How many of them show up and say, you know, I understand social, and that immediately makes them more valuable versus, let's say, maybe someone in operations who typically doesn't necessarily need to understand content. If they say that they do in a content-based company and they can prove and demonstrate that they do, it just makes sense to work with those types of people. And in a economy that's continually growing when other economies are struggling, I just see it as a really, really powerful tool to have in your back pocket. We used to say in chiropractic, like, have as many tools in your toolbox as possible. You don't have to use them all the time, but then you can pull out the ones that you need at any given moment. A hundred percent. And I think that's also really powerful is to like understand all these different concepts. So let's talk about influencer school because we've kind of mentioned it like several times throughout this interview. What is this thing? (laughs) And honestly, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite product because the society was like, you know, that was the place in my heart which we first started. You don't have to pick a favorite. I'll, I'll let it slide. I 
freaking love that product and the results that people are having there and how they're changing their lives. I am honestly obsessed. It's my someone who was like terrified of social media when they started. So I relate a lot to the women in there. And from working with them the past like 12 weeks and seeing the complete transformation. I'm talking about people who had barely posted before now having like viral reels or I'm talking about people who were like, oh my goodness, I just want to get this many followers and they've tripled that. Or people who are just like, I've never grown. I've been trying to post forever. I've always felt lost. I've lost all my confidence. And now they've got their mojo back. They're posting consistently. (laughs) They're seeing it. And now they're getting to sell their products on the back end of it. So I want to, let's talk a little bit about Influencer School. Let's talk about the modules that were in there. Um, yeah, let's just give some details on that. Let's it's do it. Truly amazing. So when we were putting it together, you know this, but know. not everyone knows this. We were thinking of how to make it fun first and foremost. Like, there are so many courses online nowadays, and one of the biggest problems with courses is they just are not engineered to help people finish them. In a dopamine-rich world where we have so many distractions, I think people forget that courses and education needs to have a component of that too. It needs to be fun. It needs to keep people engaged. Typically, I see businesses, you know, focus on selling someone. And then after that, all the fun stops. And you're like, oh, this is work. So we were really intentional about creating a product and a community and an experience that felt fun all the way through. So it's all branded, influence a school. It's like a college theme. We have freshman year, we got sophomore year, we got junior year. So we broke it out into uh, the years also kind of a juxtaposition to, you know, traditional college where people go through traditional college and they see it as, you know, a skill set that they're building to really help create security in their future. Same thing with this. It's just for a modern day economy. So when we're creating it, we thought back to, you know, how would we proceed nowadays if we were starting from zero? What steps would we go through to get from zero to where we want to be? How would we decide, you know, what it is that we want to do? And it was interesting because there's Uh, yourself, Natalie, myself, and Hunter, all involved. And we all had different answers to those questions. For you, you know, you had a different personality and a different skill set. Very different to you extroverts. (laughs) Well, I'm an an introvert. introvert. (laughs) I am an introvert. Okay, Um, you like social media gurus. (laughs) (laughs) You could say us, uh, Natalie and I are both eights. Uh, So yeah, no, we, um, we all had different answers to the questions. And I think that's what came together and made a really incredible product. Because not only were we really focused on who is this for and how can we help them get what they want, but also like what challenges have we all been through? Mm Because they've all been different. And that's why I think it's so powerful because we're not just talking about one route. We're not just talking about overcoming one challenge, but we're really walking through a complete comprehensive process of how to get from A to B. And A to B might look different. A to B might be, you know, I just want more confidence. I know what to do, but I just can't show up. I need the systems and the confidence and the community to get from A to B. A might be, you know, I have a job and I really want to get out of that. Like that was my A to B. I really want to quit this job. I really want to create security and financial freedom through social media and through selling, you know, my own products and services or promoting other people's. That's been a really, really common A to B. Um, that we've seen is people supplementing their income as well with brand deals, you know, just creating a little more uh, money in their lives, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more security through, you know what, I just generated a $2,000 brand deal this month. Or I saw a post in there recently of um, someone that just got gifted a trip. You know, there are a lot of traditional influences in there. And that's why I don't want to 
kind of talk negatively about the term influencer yeah, in a traditional it's an amazing, sense. Amazing role. It's changing yeah. women's lives. Like this uh, lady that was posting about it was saying, like, I have never even been overseas. Like, this is incredible. And now mm-hmm. I have been gifted this free trip and this experience that I never would have been able to have. So there's so many different um, diverse women in there. Some um, actually our valedictorian, we have, mm-hmm. we've got all the college references, of our uh, previous cohort. Uh, I believe she works, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, she was saying she works for like Fortune 500 company. Um, She's Forbes 30 under 32. There you go. She's coming on the podcast. Ooh. Hers will be out in a couple of weeks. Fun, fun. Yeah, you'll have to dig into that one. Um, But yeah, it's so amazing to just see the diversity that's in there and the different uh, stages that women are at and how we can support them with one product through many, many different stages. I think it's been incredibly fulfilling. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. You know, that was like a lot of work for us last year to put that together. Heart and soul, tears. Laughter. Lot of, lot of tears and some laughter. Yeah, that was some, <laughs> Amy got me doing, I was the naughty student. That we have interesting. a, yeah, we, we got to explain that because people will be like, what is yeah, that? No, they, they should, once they get in there, they can see. Right, we'll create an open loop. <laughs> they have to get in. Are, that was like open loop. <laughs> um, but do you know, one thing that really stood out for me is people came to grow and monetize their um, Instagram accounts, their TikTok accounts, their YouTube accounts, any social media platform we basically covered. Mm-hmm. Um, they came for those. But what I saw was a transformation in confidence yeah. and them leaving with friends. Yeah. Like a community of women that, like you said, during this interview, that would hype them up when they were having a feel low day. That when no one in their lives really got what they were trying to do or understanding where they wanted to go, they had those people mm-hmm. there. And we have live calls and we have these clarity calls and all these things where people can get to know each other on. And this is how much it meant to us. We were so blown away by the cohorts <laughs> this time. The You were talking about our Valor Victoria and Chloe, but I'm also having some of our students on the podcast and that was a special surprise to them uh, we did this nominees and it was just phenomenal they got nominated and we had the winners on they yep. got the tuition back we're actually doing that this year too um, yep. where because we're just so impressed by you know those who go through this and also quite often in courses a lot of people and some of you will probably listen to this like oh I buy courses and I never do them yeah. the completion rates in this are insane because guess what it was created by content creators hey hey <laughs> so we made it fun we made it interesting so that people would be engaged all the way through it because we knew that that was that's always a struggle 100% and I think you got to be aware of like how to motivate people not just through the content but also hey if you get the results you put in the work we want to give you a reward yeah. like you shouldn't have to pay for this we will give you your tuition back that was a really rewarding and fulfilling call. I mean, we were all in tears on that last call, just hearing how much it's not only affected people, but then being able to give back to those people as well and seeing just the journey that they've been on through 12 weeks. And that's only 12 weeks. Like it's going to continue for them after that point. But I think it's it's a lot more, I knew it was going to be great, but it's been a lot more rewarding and fulfilling than even I could have imagined to support these women. And I know that often, you know, with the hustle and bustle of everyday life, you know, getting on calls for people can feel like just another task that they have to do, sometimes even the hosts included. But the energy on them, like every single person wants to be there. Everyone feels, being an introvert, introverts will know this, you typically enjoy connecting with people but feel drained afterwards and you need alone time. 
after every single one of those calls, no joke, I felt more energized because it made everything that we do in every sense just so much more worthwhile. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about monetizing in the creator economy and at the heart of it all for me is my why. And that is my why is to help people achieve the freedom that they want, achieve a lifestyle that they want. And not just freedom financially, but like mental freedom. And we saw so much of that, like people getting over limiting beliefs and people seeing themselves differently. And I mean, there's a whole, if you go on, um, this will seem like a plug, but I just want people to see the transformation, but like influenceofschoolreviews.com, it's a live feed of what people are saying about what they've been through. And I, I share that because I want people to read these transformations. Like they're amazing and it just makes everything incredibly worthwhile and nothing can replace it. No amount of money or followers can replace that feeling of being able to help someone else and show up in service to them. Yeah. And, um, we had a listener book on the podcast a while ago and she spoke about like selling a service when you have something amazing to offer that you know is going to bring good to people's lives or help them change their situation going from where they don't want it to be and really transforming it. And I think I just wanted to say like, unapologetically if anyone is interested in this I'm going to put some links um, in the show notes you can check out influencer score reviews and we also do a training which is no fluff no bs just incredible content in there if you want to know more about it but I'll put the links as well to the sales pages because if you are like both Amy and I who wanted to change our lives I had a brick and mortar business I absolutely was not in love with it at all I hated having to show up at the same place at the same time and having my life governed in 15 (laughs) minutes and having this glass ceiling of like like I can't earn any more money than this I wanted that out and social media and influence gave me that and I that's why we created this product so that we could change more lives for women and there wasn't a high entry to it. It's not like you have to buy a business for several hundred thousand or put um, like millions into marketing to get somewhere. Like you don't have to do that. You already have a phone. Yeah. just have to invest in yourself to learn, get the roadmap and run with it. Yeah. And show up. Show up. Don't just buy it. <laughs> show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we make sure they do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. You come uh, to one call and you'll be addicted anyway. A hundred percent. It is, I think, something so incredible that we've been able to put together and and having the trust from from you and Natalie to to support in this has been amazing. And also Drea being included in the TikTok side oh, of yeah. things. Drea's and, got like five points. 4 million TikTok. Yep. Um, oh, this is one thing about us too, you guys. We never want to teach you something that we've not done. And we were like, wow, actually between us, we've got YouTube experience. We've got Instagram experience. We've got Facebook experience, but we haven't got TikTok <laughs> like, what <about> experience. TikTok? <laughs> um, so yeah, Drea came in. Um, Drea knows best. She's insane on TikTok. And she came and did um, modules on that because yeah. we never want to be teaching you things that we've not done. That's always really important to us. Like if ever, I think it's life advice, really. If ever you want to go somewhere don't learn from someone who's not been where you want to go 100 percent. yeah don't take advice from people sitting on the sidelines but i mean we're going to be updating it too um just today yeah Yeah. i mean just today we're having a meeting about that but i think it's really important for me at least to continue to include fresh perspectives because it's not one way there's so many different ways and i want to continue to include case studies like we have violet benson in there talking about her case study because she has a very unique way that she grew on social media so it's about bringing in those fresh perspectives because sometimes all it takes is you know hearing one person's story triggers that idea in you and you're like you know what i actually connect with that and um you know in the first call of influence school last round we were saying like kind of choose your character are you a danielle are you a natalie are you a hunter are you amy like how are you going to use this skill 
And so bringing more and more stories and more and more people that have had success through using this skill in and maybe in different ways is really, it's interesting, not only for us, but to the students to hear all of the different ways that you can actually utilize these skills in your life. So I'm really excited to continue to improve the product. Um, Even now we're still scripting, still adding, still getting it ready for the next time we open in April. um, Because it's definitely something that I think has the power to change so many more lives than it has already. And I'm just excited to continue making it the best thing yet. Well, listen, thank you so much, Amy, for this amazing conversation. Thank you for it's having so, me. It's so nice to actually have this little sit down with you. I know that we're not in a meeting for once. <laughs> wow, how wonderful. It's so nice. No, thank it's you. It's been really amazing. And we'll put all the links for everybody. And Amy, do you want to share your social handles as well? Yes. Just, you know, as always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please you tag can us. give me a follow. Yeah. <laughs> follow Amy at Amy Sangster. Amy Sangs to 53. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is the 53. What is that for? I was like a lucky number back in the day. And I think oh. my, my normal handle was taken and then it just stuck and people knew me as Amy Sangs to 53. So I like it. if you got any questions for me, you know where to find me. Yeah, Drop tag me us, DM. share all the things. We really appreciate it. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Amy. Of course. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you subscribed and left us a review. Let us know what you enjoyed, what your main takeaways were, and who you'd like to see appear on the show. As a special thanks, we'll send you a copy of our Boss Babe 25. Now this is an awesome resource. It's the 25 essential things that you need for personal and professional growth. We've included everything from must-have products to books to rituals. This guide literally covers it all and I know you're going to love it. So if you want your copy, simply leave us a review and then send a screenshot of your review to podcast at bossbabe.com. 